It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. With Coach Rick Barnes, Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com, Tennessee basketball gets started on Saturday with an exhibition play. A lot to get to with this team, but let's go big picture first. 34 years as a head coach, is that my, is my math right? You know, Brent, I think, man, I, 34, 35, I think somebody told me 35, I don't know how I started. I'm shortchanging you a year. Yeah, I think 35, but uh, pretty long time. Did you ever imagine the, the, the state of college athletics being like it is with one-time transfers name image likeness and and how difficult is it to adapt into the newer stuff given your length in the game you know from what i have seen from the time that i, I got into it to where you know you literally couldn't do one single thing for an athlete other than talk about scholarships and and uh you know we couldn't practice year-round even though my first couple years in the business you recruited every day of the year and then all at once they started putting in recruiting periods and you know then they started allowing a little bit more so to see where it has really evolved to today is could have could i don't think anybody could have imagined it no way shape or form back then but uh and i think there's been a lot of good that's come from this i, I really do and, and i think because we're all in it to teach and and coach and hopefully inspire young people to want to be the very best they can be. But I don't think looking back over being in the business now 45 years, there's any way that anybody could say we're at this point where we are today. Do you, what do you like about the, the, the one-time transfer in the NIL or do you just not like it at all? Or is it just one of those things where it doesn't matter what you think, it's, it's here, you just deal with it? Well, it, it doesn't matter what I think because it is here and we're, and we're going to have to deal with it. I have mixed emotions with it because I think it's uh, there's two there's a lot of th different things that go on go, go on with this. One, I think the transfer portal has been uh, created a lot because I think through the recruiting process, I think people are willing to say and say things that they know that really aren't going to come true. And I think when kids show up expecting one thing and they don't. It doesn't work out to what they were told to, whether it's the, the prospect or people on the outside. I think that creates a problem. I, I can see that happening with the name, you know, the name, image, and likeness, where people are throwing out numbers, which they're not supposed to do. But that's again, you'd be naive not to think that's not a part of some people's recruiting uh, philosophy. And uh, but but with that said. I'm all for the student athlete. I mean, you know, you talk about how coaches can leave and go play in one year. From that standpoint, you can't argue it. You can't, you know, that they have the same right. But then on the other hand, I also feel, because I've started at, you know, Davidson College, George Mason, those levels, and those coaches there do an incredible job of recruiting and evaluating and, and helping guys, again, try to work towards their, their dreams. And just like that, snap of the finger they can be snatched out because you know people will promise them a you know a bigger stage to be on which even Brent with that you know I think every player's dream is being a professional basketball player and you know as well as I do pro scouts are going to find you 
and all you got to do is look at NBA rosters to see that. So there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. So I, I hate it for those coaches. I do. But then where I am today, I can say, okay, the rules here, to be loyal to the university that I'm working for, I've got to say if, there's, if we can get better through the portal, we have to be willing to go in that way to do it. But I can tell you, quite honestly, we want to do the, the way we've done it. We want to build with young players. We want our fan base to watch the guys grow up and get better. So I'm never going to say to you we're not going to use the portal because we have. Justin Powell came out of the sure. portal. But going forward, uh, I don't know if any of us know what's going to happen with the name, image, likeness. I don't know if any of us knows how the transfer portal one year and done is going to work out. Just like 45 years ago, we couldn't even imagine it we're at this point. Is it hard to, to, to talk to kids and convince them that the grass is not always greener on the other side? You know, uh, I, I, in some situations, certainly, because uh, in the recruiting process, and or we, once you get your players here, uh, there's it's who is in that person's uh, circle of trust. Who are they going to listen to? And, and and you know what you really, uh, as the year goes on and as the year gets started, and the reality sets in that because I think most players come in. Even when you talk about being as brutally honest as you can be with them, they all think that, hey, I'm going to be able to get my minutes. Just like when the players decide after one, two, three years they're going to leave because they think their number is going to be called. It's not just one person. And, and so the, the key is I think the lines of communication have to always be open. I think that you've got to have a great staff that really the player understands that we really do care about them. And, and but sometimes there's a process that you have to go through as opposed to just thinking it's just going to happen because somebody has put your name on a draft list or somebody has said this about you <clears throat> the hard part is that word i guess patience in some situations which which nobody has <coughs> in, in, in any way shape or form you always talk about we've talked about this before growing as a coach even though you're 40 plus years in the business growing as a coach because of last year, with all of the protocols and COVID and how helter-skelter everything was last year, how are you a better coach today because of what you went through last year? Well, I think I'm a better coach because I think that every time you surround yourself with, with good people like I have, really I truly have tried to do that through my entire coaching career, I think those people help you get better, just the questions they ask you on a daily basis. If you're willing to ask questions and it and want the truth you know what people are when you ask somebody what do you think do you really want them to tell you what they think or or you want them to tell you what you want to hear and i've been really i think blessed uh, to have guys that tell me what they what they what they believe which is important but going through last year what what i, I realized was maybe the best thing about college coaching and coaching in general is the camaraderie that you have with your players on a day in and day out basis last year i didn't have that and I, and I missed it more than i think i could ever possibly tell you how that was a, a void in the job a year ago you know we did our job coaching the best way we could with the way that things were laid out with the covid but being able to really mingle and share a day-to-day -day life with your players it was it wasn't there i mean 
we have a conversation. You, know, you and I are sitting, what, six feet apart. Every conversation you had last year, when you're, you know, when you might sit side by side, you're spread out. And uh, it, it was difficult. It really was. And at the point where I, I don't know if anybody other than maybe teams that, that had great runs in the tournament could tell you it was a fun year going through the regular season. I think we were all trying to get to postseason, hope we could have a great run and, and, and get through it and, and finish strong. But uh, the worst part of all was just we missed our day-to-day camaraderie and, and cohesiveness that, we, that we, have with our, we have with our players. How much did that hurt development on the court when you don't have that? It hurts because, you know, we didn't have a spring. We had partially the summer and then, you know, guys come in and some of the injuries and some of the little things that younger players go through, they get that behind them really by the end of the summer in terms of understanding what it takes to, to win at this level. And we didn't have that for the most part for the, the young guys a year ago. Even, even though I can tell you, uh, Coach and Keon and Jaden were fun. I mean, those guys are great kids, and I wish they would have had the full experience. I do. I, you know, all they really know, which is sad, is the walk from here to to uh, Stokely dorm. I mean, you know, all Zoom classes and and Dylan right here. They they didn't get to share. They didn't get to use their locker uh, as a full. They didn't get to use the lounge a year ago. They didn't get to have meals like we have every day. Like right now, you can you can feel it. Um, each day after practice, we're down there with our players in the locker room and the lounge and the training facility. And, you know, it's almost like you're home. You don't want to leave. And, and it's fun. And, and that's really the, one of the great parts of our jobs. But we had absolutely none of that a year ago. Have you always been about that? I mean, the, 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 the locker room camaraderie. I mean, when you were, when you were a young coach and, you know, and eager going and you, and you got all these things, were you always a guy who – took that time after practice and, and really hung out in a locker room with guys or, or really had that personal investment? Or is that something that has grown as you've grown as a head coach? No, I've always believed in it. Now, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes when when I was younger. You know, I've just things that I truly regret and things I've mentioned before that I've gone back and apologized to players. Uh, and, and a lot of that was immaturity, insecure, wondering if I could make it in this business and and uh, just overdid it with players. But what I even knew back then, you can coach players hard if they know you care about them. Okay. They got to know it. And the only way you can know it sometime, the one thing I know players don't like, and I learned this early, is to have a player-coach conversation with me sitting behind a desk and they're sitting in front of me. They don't like that. I learned that, and so I learned if you really want to get close to someone and be able to understand what they're thinking and uh, get them talking about it, you've got to somewhat meet them on their ground. Is that why you're kind of an anti-office guy? Yes, no question. And the same thing with with staff meetings. I've been, I grew up, you know, obviously, um, well, some coaches believed in big staff meetings, but I honestly, most of the guys that I worked for didn't, and. The ones that I had to sit in on for hours on hours, to be brutally honest, Brent, I thought they were a waste of time. It got to be when you talk philosophy, you, you draw diagrams, you talk defensive philosophy, it's like who's got to pin last, you know, on the board. And 
what I learned over time, if I really want to know what my assistant coaches are thinking, was just like I would with a player, is call them individually and ask them, what do you think about this? And let them talk. What do you think about this? And let them talk. As opposed to going into a room knowing that, you know, most of the time in coaching, there's a lot of alpha personalities. You know, who's the most alpha who's going to talk the longest? And then you would leave some staff meetings where some guys didn't have a chance to talk. You know? Right. They didn't. And so you didn't get a feel. And oftentimes their thoughts were the best thoughts. And so I learned that early that, hey, I'm going to talk to each and every coach pretty much every night after practice and say, hey, what do you think today? Or before we leave the facility, you know, what, what do you think about practice? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Hey, I was you know, tough on so-and-so today, make sure you're with him before he leaves tonight. And, you know, because, and I'm going to do that too. I'm not going to, you know, I, w I want those guys, I want them to know I'm just one of them. Right. I, I don't want to be. Uh, you don't, you're not the head guy calling, calling somebody underneath you to go yeah, take care no, of a, I, a I kid. Don't, I don't want to do you. that. And that's not, that's who I am. And, 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 but I think, I think you've got to meet them on their grounds. I do. And, uh, and I think you got to, you got to be a good listener and you got to be willing to, Say I'm sorry sometimes and tell them that, uh, hey, I'm doing this for this reason. Because sometimes they, I've been doing it so long that I think you could get in to where I would say, I just don't get that they can't get this. But what you always come back to is they don't know what they don't know. And so it's our job as coaches to let them know these are the things that you have to know to get where you want to go. And, and it's, it's communication knowing full well too that at times they've got other people in their ears talking to them about this, that, or whatever. And, um, but I, but I, it, it would disappoint me greatly if our players didn't truly understand how much we care about them, how much we love them, and how much we want them to succeed. You've got a locker room full of guys who probably don't know what they don't know at this point. Eight newcomers, two new assistant coaches. I mean, it's a pretty lofty makeover. What do you what do you like about this team? Where is this team? What do you like about where your program is today compared to maybe two, three years ago when you were a veteran team making a run? What, what do you like about this? Well, that's a great question. Uh, there's a lot of things going through my mind right now. But one, you know, we've got a new coaching staff in some ways. You know, we lost two really good coaches, Kim English to George Mason, Des Oliver to East Tennessee that – we're, we're so excited for them because they want to be head coaches like our players want to be NBA players. But, you know, when we added uh, Justin Ganey and Rod Clark, uh, you know, we're excited with those guys and you go to those guys. I'm not, I'm not going to sit down with those guys. Now, they're going to come in and it's up to them to learn to mesh with our older staff and understand the way we do it. But along the way, I want them to bring something new to our program. I want them to uh, come in and see and not be afraid to say, like I've often asked both of them, you know, what did you do, like Justin, you know, what did you do here? What did you do there? Same thing with Rod, what, what, you know, what do you see here? What, what did you see there? Because I'm, I'm all for getting better every single day, but just like we've asked our older players to take our younger guys under their wings, and then we've asked the coaching staff to do the same thing, and, and I've said it many times, I, I do feel like I've got the best coaching staff in America. But with our players, uh, what I love about this team, uh, high character guys in all areas. They, they, they have great character. I think they have a, a, 
a tremendous uh, competitive spirit with them. Now, do I would I tell you that some guys need to uh, keep upping it? I, I think you always do that. Uh, you know, you, you, but you got to have it and uh, the work ethic. I mean, that that's that's a talent. Uh, people can talk about it, and and some guys on our team just like. I could sit down with our guys and say rate from one to thirteen who you think's the best players. You could do that in terms of you know who's your best, your hardest worker, and you'd be amazed, Brent, how many times they'd get it right. Really, they know it. They do. And I, I, if I said exclude yourself, put down the top twelve guys on the team, you'd be amazed. They they they're that aware of that some now not all, but now when you have been in the program. Two years, at least. I'm, I would even say after one year, you start your second year, you realize who around you is really committed to a work ethic. Is that an easier question for this group to answer because summer was normal, fall was normal? Guys got yeah. to see everybody work in the environment that is normalcy. Does yeah. that help this team, despite all the newcomers, be a little bit further along in some of those categories? I think I think it does. I, I do because I think you see a lot of that in the off season. You see, you know, the things that that we're allowed to do with our time limit with them. But then you see the guys who are willing to stay longer. Uh, some often, many of them come back at night, and uh, guys that just go through their weight workout. They 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 just embrace the entire process. They they embrace it where. Whether it's the weight room, whether it's learning how to change their diet to where they can be at their best, where it's understanding how to take care of their bodies because their bodies, their future, it's their vehicle to where they want to go. Whether it's understanding how to take care of my academic work so I don't get behind where it affects everything else I have to do. So there, there is a process you have to learn. And then, so do I think that players see it? Uh, I do. And, uh, but I think, as you mentioned, I was seeing it the spring, the summer, all the way through, and um, I, I do think it probably gives them a a good vision of, of, of who on the program. And, and again, I do know this: they could they could get pretty close every time in terms of who the hardest workers are. How do you find that mental makeup in recruiting? How, how do you? I mean, I know you talk to a lot of people, but but I mean, is that something you could watch in a gym in the summer and see? Or is that really the legwork of your assistant coaches to find out, hey, this guy, I've talked to 12 people around this guy who aren't hands-on or aren't necessarily tied into him, so to speak. I mean, how do you look at and recruit a guy and go, you know what, not only is he physically good enough, but he's got the mental makeup to be to be a college basketball successful player? Well, that part, this, our coaches do that. They do that. They have to, they have to get in and, and get the intel and know everything from you know the academics family makeup because it's important that that we choose right we we i don't think it's fair to us to bring someone in that we think that we know enough about to think that person wouldn't fit here you know whether we all know we need talent there's there's no sure. questions we all know that you go out you can you know you could we could take our daughters or sons and walk in the gym and they could pick out Kevin Durant, you know. They could pick him <laughs> right. out. You know, they could pick out Michael Jordan. They could pick him out. But it's those other guys that you're looking at that you've got to find out would that person 
can he be, success, be successful here with what we want from within our culture, with the way we want our program to be viewed, the way we want our program to be? You know, our, our motto is, is Enom. It's not about me. And uh, so the coaches, it goes back, I think our coaches does a terrific job with their intel, getting what they need to go. And then we bring them in. And when we do bring them in, we, we take great – really we have great confidence in asking our players when the visit's over is what do you think can he is he one of us would he do it and and they will they're 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 pretty really honest about it do you like the fact that you can bring a guy in twice with with the new rule where you can do a junior visit and a senior visit does that help you get that information or is that overkill in some ways do i think i, I think again it could i could go debated a couple of different ways okay. with it you know uh if i were if i were a recruit uh you'd like to think hey i can come in and if they come in the first time in the spring you know you're gonna make sure you give them give them the whole package because you don't know if you're gonna get them back but if they decide to come back now it, it is totally different it's more it's gonna be more of a we've known each other for a long time now but i will always say that the best recruiters we have are our players because uh when we bring people in on a visit, we don't change anything. We're not. We're not going to. Uh, we're not putting on a show. The only. The only thing we do different. We eat together a lot more, and that's what we tell them. The difference in the difference in being here every day and what we're doing right now. We're eating together two or three times a day. We're not going to do that when you get here. We're going to eat one. We'll eat together. I'm, I'm talking about with families, you know. But right. with a recruit, you know, we're, we're going to spend time together in the locker room having meals. But we're not going to have. I'm not going to meet you somewhere for breakfast and every day. <laughs> breakfast, lunch, that. and dinner. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But other than that, we want prospects to see it the way it is. And, uh, and uh, you know, our practices, you know, are open. And I, I'm not going to coach different. I'm not going to say, well, I can't get on this part of the what we're not doing well because I don't want them to think that I'm over the top. And I can't tell you how many times – and the best compliment I think we can get as a staff is when people leave, say, you guys hold your guys accountable. You coach them all the same, and you expect great things from them. I think that's the best thing that we can from them watching us practice. you got three point guards that are competing. How happy does that make Rick Barnes? Happy because, you know, it's like pitching in baseball. You know, it's uh, quarterback in football. It's, uh, you know, somebody that can – make plays, fix-it plays. And, and point guards, if you got good point guards, they're the ones that do the best fixing plays on offense especially. And uh, where they can sometimes create some easy baskets for your for their teammates. They get them good looks, uh, a calmness they bring. You know, we're like, hey, we're going to be okay because I got, I got this. You know, and the best, the best players that I've coached put off that it factor you know they just they got it you know and you know that you're going to be okay because that person's on your team but when you got point guards that uh as they continue to learn it i mean like santiago is at a level right now that you wouldn't expect kennedy or zakai to be at i mean he's been here months he's been here a couple years he understands the flow of it and because of what he's under what he understands and the fact that he's worked so hard at being a complete player the fact of the matter is he's got more rope than anybody because his competitive spirit, what he does, I mean, he's going to battle, battle you every possession on both sides. You know, does he have the green light? He's got the green light to shoot the basketball. 
Uh, is he going to make some mistakes at times? He, he will, but I'll get on him about the ones that I think are careless mistakes. It'd be like a pitcher being called to throw a slider and he throws a fastball right down the middle, you know, that goes out of the park. You know, he's going. You, you can't make those mistakes. But uh, with Kennedy and, and Zakai, they've done a, really a pretty good job of picking things up. But I'd, I'll go back. I think it's a lot to do with Santi. You know, they're watching him. Plus, those guys are highly competitive. They uh, are willing to watch tape. And something that probably is you've got to find out in recruiting is they're really coachable. They want to be coached. They want to be told the truth. They want to be told, hey, i got to get better here, 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 because uh, they've had, they got dreams. They want, they want to play at the highest level. And when you got that kind of player that has that – great coachability aspect to who they are it's really fun all right give me the top three or four checklist things for you this next four weeks before you get into this gauntlet that you continue to put together from a schedule standpoint because you i mean it's it's <laughs> for, for eight newcomers it's yeah. really brutal what, yeah. what's at the top of the priority give me three or four things that this team's got to get done to get ready for that brutal schedule well, the top would be, and, and I'm, I'm obviously want everybody to be healthy come first game. Uh, post defense, no doubt. Post defense is going to defending be the rim or physicality of a post up. I, I what think, do you mean? I, I think I think we need to be physic a little more physical all the way around. Okay. Even though our guards have shown that that they're willing to mix it up a little bit, but post defense is very important. Uh, guys understanding how to do the work early. Uh, little detail things helping the point guards who are getting rung up with screens where they're up there showing, helping, you know, all that, rebounding. Uh, huge thing, would I like to think that at some point in time that our post guys will be rim protectors and fix it guys. We, you know, we miss Eve Pons. That's, that's I, I can tell you, that's something that Eve, we, you miss dearly, you know, that would you fix it when things didn't go well, he could clean it up for you a little bit. We might have to do it a different way, but I like to think that as time goes on, we can continue like we did with Eve. You know, Eve took great pride in it. You mm -hmm. know, he wanted to do it. You know, but Grant Williams is an example of a guy who wasn't known to be a shot blocker that became a really good rim. Kyle Alexander was, you know, he was as raw as a, you know, rare piece of meat when he got here, but became a terrific, you know, rim protector. And, but, as a group, we've got to, we've got to block out. We've got to rebound the basketball. We we can't be the elite defensive team that we we want to be if we're going to give up second chances. And uh, then I don't know how many I've named to, but taking care of the basketball because we we've got good offensive players, <coughs> and we got to we got to we got to give our, ourselves a chance to score every time down the floor. Last thing, and I'll let you go. Is it everybody talks about in basketball? You got to make a, you know it's about making a run at the end of the year. You want to be playing your best basketball and in March, heading into tournament play and in tournament play. In some ways, is it easier to peak with a young team that's got a bunch of newcomers as opposed to a veteran team that you're sitting there and in December you're playing really good basketball and you're going, wait a minute, I don't know that we can maintain. We've peaked too early. We're playing our best too early. Or is that all overblown? You know, I when you, people want to get into analytics and all this and all that, uh, the best analytic I know of is can we get better today, each and every day? And 
do you want to play great? I, I think with like our schedule, we better be pretty good early. Right. But and, but we better keep getting better. You know. And so you're not necessarily a peaking guy. It's just the I, team's got to get better every day from start to finish. And then and then and what happens as as you as you, like Eddie Reese, a great swimming coach at Texas, used to tell me all the time, and he's so right about this, which it took me being such a knucklehead for so many years not figuring it out because I always felt like you got to work, you got to outwork everybody, you just got to work, work, work. And he said this to me, um, he said, you can't go straight up the flagpole. He said, you got to go up in waves, you know, which I never thought about. I'm like, let's get to the top of that pole as quick as we can. But he also said, you know, older guys can take everything you want to give them. Long practices, long out, whatever you want to give them. Physical practices every single day, they can take it. But they don't need it. Younger guys, they need it, but they can't take it. And he is so right about that. They, they, they can't mentally take it. They can't physically take it. So instead of saying peak, I think I would say you got to get a pulse on your team and each player. You know, where, where is that pushing point? Where is the rhythm? And you got to massage that throughout the entire year. Like John Fulkerson, he, he's down right now, and, but you don't worry about it. You know, because he—it's probably better that he's out. It, that is, would be a blessing in disguise. Do I expect John to find a way to keep himself in shape right now and do all that? But Olivier, Urosh, uh, Brandon—they're all getting some great level, you know, some high level, and they are getting the direct focus from the coaching staff right now. Whereas when Folky's out there, you know, you put he and Santi on the same team together with Josiah. And B.J. Bailey, I mean, they've been around. They've been through it, you know, and they can make and, – and you can get a little comfort zone there because they are just clicking. Whereas sometimes you break that up and you want to see if you can flip teams and see if they'll take it personal, like, okay, I'm on this team. I'm going to beat what is so-called so the first team. You know, the best players – like I used to get on T.J. Ford in practice about uh, not going hard and uh, to irritate him. He, he was irritating me, and I said, okay, you just turn orange or white, whatever. And he would, and then, but now he would go to that team, and to get me, he would now start with those guys and beat the first group so he knew I'd get on them. <laughs> I, mean, he was, I mean, he loved it, you know? And I don't, I don't think he ever purposely calculated to do it, sure. but that was just his competitive instincts. Uh, Kevin Durant was like that as well, you know? Uh, DJ, I mean, I can name guys that, but TJ was the first guy that when, if he wasn't playing at the level I wanted, all I'd do was put him on the other team and he lifted the entire practice because he was going to make that white group go after the orange group and and it was high level to where now I, I did get mad at the four other starters because they were getting beat because of what he had done. So how do you, how do you find that pulling, pushing point? Because here's the thing. Kids are all going to say, if you ask the kid, you're all right, yes, sir, I'm good. Because he's not going to take himself out because he's battling for minutes. So how do, when you've got a team like this, how do you feel when enough's enough, when, when you need to back off, when you've got to push harder? How, how do you find that? Well, you, you said feel. And that's is that a body is. language thing? It, 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 is it, it, you, can't, you can't feel it if you don't know them. And the okay. only way you can know them is to spend time with them. And the time we spent on the practice court, like, like for instance, yesterday, I could tell we were a little bit sluggish. But here's, here's the good thing, and, and I was, got a little bit irritated yesterday because we had spent time in the film room talking about 
some things that I wanted to see come up off the floor and out of the film room and bring to the court. And they weren't ready to do it the way I wanted to. And so I was much more engaged to get it done than they were. You know, I understand the urgency right now. We got to get this post-defense figured out. And it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go, so I, I turned the heat up. And uh, I will do that today because we're going to get this. Right. I know it's what's important. But with that said, it goes back. I want the players, because I'm going to communicate with them. I'm going to talk to them like, hey, we've got to get it. This is the role you've got to play for us to be, be good. And, but when we're playing in a game, you're, you know your players so well. You know their body languages so well. And, and you really get a feel for how long you think a guy can stay engaged. And now you hope a guy maybe can start out with 90 seconds. And people think, 90 seconds? But if, that, if, that, if there's 90 seconds of nonstop basketball, that could be at the pace we want to play. That could be in the pace of the other team. That could be eight possessions, nine possessions. You know, it's bang, 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 bang. No whistle, you know. And uh, then you can see their body. You see, you see when a guy can fatigue. Like there's certain guys, and it takes – most of the time you get older with it, you learn how to fight through fatigue, which is a really hard thing for young guys to do. Like, we, like our freshmen – uh, to be quite honest with you, I look at probably half of them, they play all day long. They don't get tired. The other half, they get tired. Then I can throw in one or two that doesn't know what it feels like to get tired yet. They don't understand there's a level they got to get to. They've never pushed themselves beyond their comfort zone. And so that's what the feel you're trying to get to, you know, you know how far do you drive them and, like, early season right now like, that we really were coming to the end of it, you drive them, you know, you drive them. Like I'm not, like we knew we were going to practice 40, have a 40 minute scrimmage on a Friday the day before a Saturday scrimmage. Do I let up in practice? No. And we're playing, not, not this time, because I want to get them tired and see who can play. Okay. That's what I want. I want to I get them fatigued. I want to get them mentally tired. I want to see who can fight through it. And the only way you can do that is push them up to that threshold. Well, it's going to be a fun team to watch develop. It's going to be fun to see. Better, everybody better bring their roster to figure out who everybody is early on. But uh, going to be highly, uh, highly competitive schedule and, and a basketball team that I think is going to uh, capture the attention of a lot of people with the way you guys play. Good luck. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I'm excited, Brent, with our, for our fans. You know, it's, uh, as you know, we, we, I felt, have created one of the great home court advantages and places in the whole country before the COVID hit and I'm excited for Vol Nation to come back and get them here and and um, again watch this team grow. Coach thanks good luck. All right thank you. You've been listening to the Vol Quest podcast every week here on Vol Quest.